Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig, your host over there. Well, I, I don't know. So I, I want to make a Cubs joke about how you're not that young anymore. We can't even call you a Cub. It's Ken Johnson. That, that's true. Just the old bear. That's me. You're no Todd. Let's put it that way. I'm close. I'm close to Todd. Hey, you're closing in on Todd. <laughs> Nobody's when we started this thing, you were you were the young pup when we started this thing. Ain't that the truth? And joining us today for our discussion of Moss Flower is uh, so we're we're in keeping with our tradition of bringing on uh, well tradition we've done it once our tradition our new tradition of bringing on a patron for these uh, these GoFundMe episodes. It's Levi, aka Texas Blade. How you doing, Levi? I'm doing great. So. Uh, you, you are an AKA people know you as Texas blade. Uh, and I think honestly, anybody who is a denizen of discord would be surprised, honestly, that you're here for this episode because Moss flower, this book that I'm holding in my hand, you'll notice that the, uh, that the author of Moss flower is Brian Jakes. Uh, the author of Moss flower is not, uh, one Jim butcher. Uh, so I'm shocked that we got you on to this episode, but, um, but Hey, I, I, I would, uh, I won't, I won't, we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say there's, there's a few, there's, there's a few other books I could definitely get into. Like, um, um, of course it's going to, I'm going to forget now, but, uh, uh, the, uh, Alex Virus. Oh yeah. Check sure. that out. Sure. Um, particularly since it's a finished book series and it doesn't get enough love. Um, for no, sure, just, you know, yeah. there are a few characters on discord, uh, that are defined by a certain overriding characteristic. Um, and you know, there are a lot of names that I recognize, but a lot of them are kind of undifferentiated in my mind. You know, they, they don't have some defining characteristic. Um, you do. And it was your, uh, your <clears throat> enthusiastic love of Jim Butcher. <laughs> so, uh, or, or at least Jim Butcher's books. I, I don't know how uh, to feel about the yeah, guy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sad about that. <laughs> so guys, we're talking Moss Flower, of course, as I've said a couple of times before we do though, I want to remind everybody to go to the to check out past episodes the calendar for future episodes, as well as links to Discord and Patreon. If you have a dollar to spare to throw in the tip jar, uh, please do so. I have another episode with Todd that will be coming out shortly on uh, on that thing I just said. What's it called? Patreon. Um, thing, so yeah. Todd is doing his Wheel of Time read-through, and we've had some fun talking about that. I think we went up through book four so we have another episode coming out there. So if uh, that's Patreon only. So if you are interested in that, and you should be, it is fun to listen to Todd talk about it. Um, you, you should check that out. Just as, a, as an aside, it's the most Todd thing ever, you guys. Just, this is a little tease to get people to go check it out on Patreon because um, there are characters in The Wheel of Time that everybody loves, and then there are characters that everybody hates. Todd loves everyone with an equal <laughs> like with an equal passion he todd is incapable of hatred um he's he is capable of plenty of tears but no <laughs> hatred so it's it's hilarious to listen to him read this with no outside context of what everybody else thinks of the series Sweet. it's great Look at all right sure guys favorite character is uno 
That's well. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about the show right now. Ken, yeah. Moss Flower. Hey, do you want to do you want to catch us up with a little recap of Moss Flower? So yeah, I do actually. Uh, there was this book called Redwall. You guys all read it. Lean, lean into that mic for me, Ken. Give me give me a little this, volume here. This give me a little mic right here. Yeah. You want me to lean into this mic? I want you to Turn I want you right. to serenade me uh, with your sultry, dulcet tones. Hey, Mike. I <laughs> I can't. I can. I just can't. Don't do it. I can't. All right. Rare are the moments that you get a prequel that is better and more compelling than the main story. I'm struggling to find one, maybe 1883 over Yellowstone, but that's television. What does it matter? Wow. But here we are, generations before the feats at Redwall Monastery in a relatively civilized moss flower wood. It was a lawless time where innocent lower on the food chain animals risk their lives just by leaving their dens for fear of being evolved. I don't think I meant evolved? to say evolved. I don't think I meant to say that. How about devoured? <laughs> let's go with know. devoured. Enslaved. Ah, I, I, it, let, let's go with enslaved by the forces of tyrant Wildcat Verdoga. Dauga. I don't. I didn't know how to pronounce that. We're gonna go with Verdoga and his for. children. Seems like a fine time for a young Martin the warrior to roll into town full of piss and vinegar and ready to bust the heads of all comers. And boy, does he go straight for the head. Verdoga's ready to lock Martin up and let him go after a time because he's a nice guy like that for a tyrant. But too bad his daughter and her bestie have been actively conspiring to poison daddy and quite hostily take over. Uh, she kills her dad, locks up her brother, proceeds to claim moss flower for her own, only one problem. Well, actually a thousand little problems. Sarmina didn't kill Martin when she had the chance, and now he's going to inspire the moss flower furry creatures to rise up, organize, and make the woods safe again. Spoiler alert, we've already seen the end result, but it's really fun to watch how, or read in this case, how we get there. If you're paying any attention, you'll notice that the recap focuses pretty much on the first act of the book. That's because the rest of the book is pretty much just good old-fashioned punching. I love it. Okay, not quite all of it, but most of it, kind of. He meets the residents. They organize a rescue mission, uh, or a rescue mission is hatched. Martin heads out on the hero's journey. There's fire. There's floods. There's a pirate ship. Snakes, frogs, a freaking eagle looming like silent death over everything without regard to party or prejudice. And in the end, he makes good on his promise to kill the wildcat. Sort of. That's kind of a cop out. I wanted him to see to use that sort of. Anyway, it was all really good. <laughs> it <laughs> in, was great. The end. Did you? Oh, now you usually end with questions. No, no questions on your part. I got, right here. I got no questions. That's OK. That's OK. I, I wanted to. I think of some questions but this book series goes backward and so i wasn't really sure how <laughs> to ask my ask? questions i can think of one question go for it all right why how big is Redwall? because they're making it they're going to make it at the end of this book and i feel like um in in Redwall the book it feels so much like it's a huge monastery because there's birds living like way high up in like almost a different realm. Um, but apparently the mice made it. Um, so that kind of ruined my uh, <laughs> like, okay, they must have like gone absolutely bonkers uh, to make this thing. Um, so, and so many other things. So, so are yeah, you familiar scale. with what an Abbey actually is? IRL? I, I, more or less, I think I'm thinking Alamo esque things for some reason. <laughs> so, so it's a it's a monastery, 
Um, so it's a religious building. Think mm -hmm. like a it, um, like a large church or cathedral, but with a ton of space for, um, or comparatively, a ton of space for um, residents. Let me just do a little look. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it's meant for monks and nuns and, and abbots, etc to live there right and so spiritual enlightenment uh, so yeah it is it yeah. can be huge um my my favorite abbey in the world is the mont saint michel uh, so people can look that up you've probably seen pictures of it it's the uh it's the island about a mile half mile out from the coast of northern france um and it's built on this floodplain where when the tide comes in it's an island surrounded by water and when the tide goes out it's um, you, you can't even see the shore almost. It's uh, it goes so far out. Uh, wow. It's incredible. One of the wonders of the world for sure. Yeah. But it's uh, it's this, this island cathedral. on top of which is an abbey uh, and a large church as well to, to go with it. Anyway, so it's uh, oh, yes. really, really okay. cool. That would yeah. be that would not be your standard example of an abbey, but uh, it's one of the most striking ones. Yeah, I'm seeing Here's, cathedrals and stuff like that. that yeah. Calling, Here is one question so, yeah. for you guys that I started thinking midway through this book and uh, partly thinking of the last book. Uh, originally, I thought Redwall, you know how in, in a lot of these anthropomorphized um, stories, it's these, well, it, it's these uh, mice or these animals acting like humans that are living in a, in a human's world, but... It, so I thought maybe, you know, red wall was like a, a wall built by humans and these animals are living. Inside exactly. Mm. Clearly this is world built by animals. So yeah. what kind of now. scale are we looking at here? So exactly. That's it, my, it does yeah. become clear. I, I want to say if you're reading closely, you can tell in this book, but I know throughout the series, it does become very clear that yes, they are building all this stuff themselves. They're building their pirate ships. They're building right. the abbeys I mean, and the castles sense, and all sure. that. And they're doing it at, at woodland creature scale. So mm -hmm. this is not the size of, you know, uh, Somerset Abbey or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, th these are little animal sized places. So. It still must've been a big abbey. Cause like I said, the birds were up top in and they had their own domain there. So yeah, yeah, and, if you've and ever then been... they also have the cart and the horse. And oh, the right. cart had and, like oh, yeah. hundreds and hundreds of rats in it. Right. And, sorry, going back to uh, Red original Redwall. So that yeah. seems very much like a human size. That was a human size cart, yeah, being pulled yeah. by a horse. Yeah, and, sure. and it also makes you wonder is the horse intelligent or are there some dumb animals as well? Birds it, sometimes, some it predators. It sure seem, seems that way. Yeah, because yeah, they, when they meet the, uh, the toads. Um, there's, you know, there's uh, some intelligence, there's some like intelligence there, but, but nobody's, they, nobody's like sad when the snake just eats all the toads. Like, yeah. Hey, thanks oh, for yeah. dinner. You know? And, and everybody's like, okay, well they're just toads. Yeah. <laughs> so, amphibians and reptiles seem to be lean mostly towards, um, the, the not so, I guess it's like, it seems like, amphib well, see. I, I'm borrowing from other books that will be and were, but aren't going to be covered anymore. So I don't know, but yeah, it seems like the reptiles and amphibians are kind of the shifty ones, and then vermin and predators. Well, I guess some predators guys. seem to 
oscillate. You know, some predators are good, some predators not so much. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it gets uh, a similar pecking order, but but not also. I like, feel like I squirrels are elves. Um, they, squirrels they, are they, elves. Okay, they, they, just because they they have bows. Well, and, and they then live they're in the, trees. in the trees all the time. So fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, and it makes me wonder what Lord of the Rings as a Redwall book would be like, or Stormlight Archive as Redwall. I was going to say, what's the other, uh, what's the other uh, animals, but not wind in the willows or. Uh, oh, that's oh, one. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. There, there are any Rings number rules, of, yeah. well, the, I did the one, the author shelf um, tail chaser song, Tad Williams. That is a really bizarre coked up version of the Lord <laughs> of the Rings with cats. Um, <laughs> in the woods so that that one is uh, well yeah i don't know what he was on when he wrote that but it's bananas um <laughs> anyway okay so <laughs> let's maybe we maybe we start into d talking about this book uh toward the beginning let's talk about some characters um but starting with not the very first character we meet but one of the first which is martin martin the warrior yeah. so he is the fabled hero that in the original Redwall, everybody looks back on um, as this kind of messianic figure. Um, and people who read the book, they remember. Okay, so that's Martin the Warrior. Now we get his story. He arrives in Mossflower Wood um, and gets thrown in prison, gets out of prison, and then goes on his grand adventure. Um, how, Ken... How did yep. you like Martin? Did he live up to your expectations from what you had in Redwall? What did you think? He did live up to my expectations, primarily because this is kind of what I expect from a from a hero's journey story when we see prior to them becoming the hero. The, well, the hero, yeah, I guess, I guess the way I said it is the way I, I meant it. But <laughs> in, in Redwall, he's he's lionized. He's done all these amazing things. I mean, he's revered as, as almost a hallowed figure. And we get to see now how he gets to be that way. And it's fun to see a story like that, especially in this experience, in, in this case where he has, he has some flaws. I mean, he's brash. He's arrogant. He's loud. He's not, um, he, he flies off the handle. I mean, he probably, you know, well, and we see later in the book that he doesn't always solve everything with the turn of a blade, but it seems to be his default setting. At least when we first meet him, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna cause some, uh, some, you know, reckoning here." And he is. A well, he, I mean, that's basically how we first meet him, which is great. He he is that way all the way to the end of the book, right? His whole like, when uh, when they finally succeed in flooding the castle, uh, Cotier, yeah. right? Um, and Sarmina, who we'll definitely get to, she's yeah. drifting along on a, a piece of wreckage, and he's just taunting her. You know, he's yelling yeah. jabs and jives at her. Like he made her a promise. Yeah, he let her get yep. away. Right. Anyway, uh, but he, yeah, he's um, he's no shrinking violet. Uh, Aside from that moment in the middle where they're being followed by the, um, uh, they're not weasels, but uh, the rats, I guess. I can't remember specifically what kind of rodentia they are, but when they're, when they're being <laughs> followed on their way to, to badger land, um, he's, he says, you know, now's not the time to fight. We keep, you know, pushing on. Like, okay. There's, there's a little bit of moderation mm. in it. He, he, 
he, he isn't just a mindless, let's uh, kill first and ask questions later. He actually has some tactics and some strategy in there. And I, I he, like, he it. gives Sarmina a chance to leave peacefully. And, you know, he, he, yeah. he does the honorable thing, but he doesn't shrink from battle either. Yeah. He may be an honorable warrior, but he's still a warrior first, right? Warrior um, first. I, I was trying to think of um, uh, trying to put myself in that nine-year-old mindset, you know, reading this book for the first time and thinking of Martin as uh, as myself as a nine-year-old boy would have perceived him, which is, by the way, about the time that I got this. This is the only mass market hardback that I own, by the way. I love it. <laughs> um, but this very copy was one of the first, um, you know, long books I ever read. Uh, anyway, so trying to put myself back in that mindset. And I remember talking uh, in the previous episode with Panda about Matthias and how he, Matthias kind of, he oscillates between being kind of a bumbling uh, fool of a young mouse and being very capable and, um, and tough and and coordinated you know when he's yeah. getting in fights and whatnot he's he's always going back and forth between those two things and with martin he is much more kind of down the line assured he's he's capable he's tough he understands uh well you know he may not understand everything about the situation at, you know like when he gets <laughs> thrown in prison but he he's able to take care of himself at any given moment he doesn't require, you know, an abbot to look after him the way Matthias did. And so it's it's interesting to kind of look at those two, especially because there are going to be so many similarities between um, these two books and every other book in the series. Uh, it's nice to have a protagonist who's a little bit different than what we just had, yeah. even if they're obvious echoes, right? Um, it felt, uh, for lack of a better term, it felt almost a little bit plot armory only because we know that that he's got to you know continue on and well, do other sure. stuff. But I, I mean, hi Ken, but, welcome to prequels. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, and that's that's the thing, and that's that's a prequel. But at the same time, I liked the fact, and and I think we talked about this in Redwall also that that Brian Jakes seems to write these a little more cut and dried. A little more, the good guys are good, the bad guys are bad, and there's very little in between that we have to nitpick. I liked that, especially for Martin, because a lot of these prequels that we read in the jaded times that we live in are, this is, this is the legend of the man. Well, the, the man really wasn't all that good, and, and he did some questionable things. And now we have to highlight all the questionable things. And or the other way around, too. right? Helzebo was yeah, just I misunderstood. Mean, or, or was yeah, that or, her name? Or, or, did I get the name right? Say that again. Hel is it Helzeba? The the in wicked, wicked. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Alphaba, yeah. Alphaba, Alphaba. Yeah. Or or okay. or that. It's like yeah, the the bad guys aren't really bad. They're just misunderstood, and the good guys weren't really good. They they did some questionable things. And here's a character that you can give to a nine year old Craig and say, look, good people can become great people. Just let them. You know, right. let this story let this story have a good guy for the sake of being a good guy. Yeah. And I love it. And Sarmina on the other on nope, the other nope, side. Nope. Stop there. I want to get to Sarmina later. I want to stick okay. with the good guys. She's she's one of my she's favorites. She's not a good guy. Okay. 
She's not a she's good guy. Not, she's not a good guy. That's <laughs> right. um, no, she's one of my favorites, and I, I want to give her her due, but I want to stick oh, yeah. with the good guys first. So, right. Levi, Texas Blade. Yes. Senor Tejas. Uh, favorite other uh, noble character outside of Martin? He's thinking so hard, you guys. He's thinking <laughs> so hard. I, there's actual I steam it. coming that, off of uh, his headphones here. Oh, I think there's almost something to like about all the main good guys. Um, I'll tell you mine while you think about it. You think about it. Mm-hmm. Mine is Gonf. I love it, it. So I felt that was so easy. I'm like, oh, I can't. Uh, no, it's, the, no, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We should talk about Gonf because oh, of course. this makes me think. Uh, so I looked it up. This was published in 1988. Um, and when, when Ken and I were alive, um, yeah. and it, let's see. So 1988, this was at, like at the height of Dungeons and Dragons powers, right, Ken? Yep. Um, oh, and yeah. I was thinking about that because yes, there's lots of the Lord of the Rings in here, but then you have a character like Gonf, which makes me think of a D and D party in a stronger way than the Fellowship of the Ring does, right? Yep. Where you have the rogue thief character. Um, he's, I I don't, would Gonf be, um, I don't know if I'd call him com, uh, comedic relief. Uh, or what, what, is that what the phrase? He's, Whatever. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. He's pretty comedic, but really he's just fun. It's not mm-hmm. that he's funny all the time. He's just fun. He's always ready with a like a a little quip or a smirk or whatever he's he never seems to be down um and yeah what a what a fun character to write i'm sure to throw into these scenes um and uh, and kind of to offset the serious warrior of martin right he's yeah i, I like that guy i liked to see him as wayne without the back uh, the traumatic backstory <laughs> nice so. nice and I, and I you also find it interesting that he's the one that gets the girl in this one. It's not Martin that oh, yeah. gets the girl. So yeah, just, yeah. I, oh yeah. Does Martin ever marry? I don't think he does, as far as I know. Yeah, I don't. This, I don't these think things so. matter. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think Redwall is the only one I read when I was a little kid, and I didn't get around to it. I think my brother was into like he did like a, a whole bunch of them. That was his big mm. old series. Um, and I just never got around to it for some reason. Yeah. But, uh, did, did yeah. you think of a favorite of yours? Oh, uh, I, I might choose the, uh, Badger King. Ah, uh, yes. he, he's pretty sweet. Uh, the, 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 the hairs are also pretty fun though. They kind of all go in as a clump, I'd say, yeah. cause I don't think one of them stands out more than any of the others. Which is really true of a lot of these species, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you've met one stoat, you've met all stoats. (laughs) Right. But Boar the Fighter, that's a strong choice. Boar the Fighter, he did seem a cut above. So, yeah, tell me more. Why why do you pick uh, Boar the Fighter? Oh, I just, he has the the mastery and has uh, has the prophecies there and he's willing Mm. to just go go for that and stuff and uh yeah he's the leadership type symbol he is 
he really yeah when you finally meet bore the fighter because you've heard of him hey we need this guy he's gonna save us all you need to go get him he's this larger than life mythological figure bring him back save us all and you meet him and he is that you know it's not uh, kind of what ken was talking about before where you know we cut the mythological figure down to size no you meet bore the fighter and you're like oh my gosh this guy is amazing um yeah i love <laughs> excuse me i'm getting over the flu so i'm gonna be coughing a lot stop being sick it's uh, not healthy you tell me about it but um <laughs> i one of the reasons i love scenes especially when we first meet bore the fighter and and all of his scenes is that up to now we've we've really known two badgers um i can't remember the name of the one in in Redwall, oh. but in this book we have bella the badger who's kind of uh we we have a very very mild frame story where bella is telling this story to somebody's grandkid i can't remember who's Gonf's uh, grandkid Gonf, yeah that's right Gonf's grandkid okay. yeah. um and like five uh, years later because they're you know mice right and so we get like in Redwall, we get some glimpses of ferocity like badger ferocity and in this one we get glimpses but then you get to bore the fighter and you're like oh badgers and reminded me of why i i don't know if i read as many as your brother did levi but when i was a kid i probably read like 10 of these books um i loved them <coughs> and um and i just remember loving the badgers and that's why they they just seem so badass or you know yeah. whatever my phrasing my nine-year-old brain could have come up with like for that kind of the barbarians of the the uh, as in like a D, D class right type kind of thing yeah but like uh, noble barbarians like yeah. um conan I, the barbarians <laughs> there are, there are badgers yeah yeah i like that one a lot um okay yeah yeah let's go ahead and before we do um locations and events let's let's talk bad guys oh, really Sarmina. really quick my, oh. my favorite character was mask oh okay Love oh him. yeah yeah that's anyway that's another good one very good one just because you he was, i just i just love i you know i love costumes and i love the the spy craft stuff and so it just it spoke to the nine-year-old me inside my 50-year-old brain you know it's and yeah, i love I just, how mask is unmasked where it's it's so yeah. lame it's like a banana peel moment. Like, oops, I yeah. slipped on a banana peel. Oh. Somebody steps on his fake tail. Something so and, innocent. And... Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh. uh oh, better run. Well, and, it, yeah, and his great. death was his death was was a great moment of gravity in a story that is mm. typically pretty light, even with all of the action. Yeah. Um and, and he gives it some weight and all of the characters just think the world of him. I I liked Mask. I thought he was a great character. Anyway, let's talk back. He's great. Yeah, let's talk bad guys. Um, Sarmina. Sarmina. Uh, yeah. First of all, what a name. Uh, when I was a kid, I had no idea how to what to do with that T. I was like, why is there a T there? I don't understand. Somebody told me it was pronounced Sarmina. And I just accepted that and said, okay. And I had no idea Sarmina. what T you're talking about because I did audiobook. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, well, that's the thing is um, he named her Sar. T S A R, as in Russian despot, Tsarmina. Uh, and uh, well, on the obviously, nose, but, you know. Well, that's the thing. 
I Not love I love that <laughs> exactly because when I was nine, I had no idea what a czar was. I you know I barely heard of Russia at this point. I you know I had no idea what that was, but I loved this book and it had this kind of evil um, despotic cat character named Sarmina, and I was very familiar with that. So that when I got to you know junior high, high school, when whenever it was that I learned about the czars. Um, I had <clears throat> at least a cartoon version of that in my head already. It's it, it, do you want to use the Redwall series as the basis for your understanding of real world <laughs> history? No, of course you don't. But it can at least familiarize you with some of these terms, right? Right. And so, so I I found it uh, charming and valuable in that way. I don't care if it's on the nose. Who cares? And isn't that what fiction is? That's what stories are supposed to do anyway. At least, yeah, especially at this age. Something to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't care either that it was on the nose. It was perfect. And she was excellent as a bad. Zarmina is what you're saying. It's in the book, or it's it's at least spelled Zarmina? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to say the book, audiobooks, at least I kept hearing Sarmina, like an S. Yeah, but I mean, it could have fine. easily been Czar too, or I well, that's it's uh, yeah, it depends on which country or pronunciation. Okay, well, okay. You went with T S A R versus C Z A R, and so whatever, okay. Okay. take your pick. Okay. Um, so I'll tell you, I first of all, I love her because she is there. Are no bones about her; she's a bad guy. There's no subtlety. There's no intrigue. There's just bad guy. Um. But I also love the way that he works in these kind of life lessons for kids. And we talked about this a little bit in Redwall as well. But with Zarmina, she is great because uh, he naturally fits in this fear. She has a fear of drowning. She keeps having these dreams. I'm going to drown. I'm terrified. This this is awful. What am I going to do? And then at the end of the book, you know, spoiler alert, uh, she drowns. Um, but her fear of drowning drives her to say and do really, really stupid, terrible things. And it, it was this great kind of like lesson for a kid that like, look, scary things happen. Fear is not such a bad thing, but excuse me, but um as I'm fond of saying, all poisons are determined by the dosage. Uh, some fear can be healthy, but too much fear. And it's a pretty low dose. You don't have to go very far before it's too much fear and it's driving you and making your decisions for you. Um, and and she's a great illustration of that principle where fear is a, it's a bad motivator outside of maybe getting you out, out of an immediately terrible situation, right? It's the mind killer. <laughs> Tell us more about fear being a mind killer, Ken. <laughs> You'll be able um, to see it uh, more coming up in the beginning of the next year. There's also, uh, sorry, I know I'm monologuing a little bit, but I just love the Sarmina character so much. The other thing that I enjoy is the juxtaposition between her and uh, her father. What's what's his name? Verdoga. Verdoga. Uh, what a name, by the way. Uh where this is, it's a great 
again, very clear cut, not subtle, not nuanced uh, description of one of the perils of despotism or authoritarianism uh, or, you know, whatever word you want to use for that. When you have a dictator, things could be okay. There are such things as benevolent dictators, um, people who, you know, it's not so bad, <laughs> like it, it, the, the good czar would be a great phrase to throw in yeah. here, right? Um, Verduga, Verduga, <laughs> where you can have that benevolent dictator, but the problem with the dictatorship is that dictator ain't going to be around forever. And so when we start the book, he's already kind of on his deathbed and we see this forest, this moss flower wood in disarray, uh, this kingdom of Kotir in disarray because Sarmina presumably has been kind of ruling by proxy for a little while. Right. Um, where it, again, great illustration of that very simple principle, which is authoritarianism. It is, it isn't inherently bad on its own terms. It's just that the risk reward ratio is way, way, way off. Right. Yeah, you're just, you're one bad authoritarian away from a bad situation. Every exactly. Quick change, quick change. Yeah. Uh, okay. Exactly. I'm going to kick it to you guys. Bad, bad guy characters, whether it's Sarmina or somebody else, what do you like? What, what did you, what didn't work for you? Anything you want to talk about? Do you think she's a little bit more complex than, uh, Oh, Clooney, Clooney, the scourge. I feel like she, she's not quite as crazy in some ways. Hmm. I, I got to um, think about this. What respectfully, do you think? I, I disagree. I, I, I don't say I disagree. I see it from a different point of view. How about that? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Do I, is this where I put on my Jedi robes? Yes, a certain point of view. Um, I feel like she is more unhinged than Clooney. So really, okay. I, I do. I, I feel like all of her, all of her um, motivations are driven from a sense of inadequacy or a sense of. Um, impulse, I guess, for lack of a better word. She, she doesn't seem like a very good leader. She seems like a very selfish leader, which I mean, bad guy leaders are supposedly by their very nature, you know, selfish, uh, but all of her, all of her things, all, all of her decisions are made to look tough or to get what she wants or to punish somebody who's not listening to her or and they they don't seem well thought out from one to the next to the next and Clooney's they all seemed kind of malevolent so yeah he was a bad guy and he was probably crazy but he was crazy because he was maniacal not because he was insane I don't, does well, that make sense he was trying to get power she was trying to keep power she already had right. the power kind of thing there's mm. that difference there's a good difference um can we assume that she grew up as like a princess, basically? Because she kind of acts that way, right? Like I'm. I mean, you, I, would, you I mean, would think that Moss yeah, her Flower dad has been, been ruling for a while, right? Yeah, right. So. And so yeah, that's that's what I girl. see. I I think that's uh, an astute point that she is trying to keep power versus gain power. Where Clooney is, um, he has a focus and a determination. Mm -hmm to achieve a goal where her goal is like to re-subjugate 
the denizens of moss flower so that she can keep living the cushy life right yeah mm-hmm. okay all right yeah, yeah. i feel like she's I'd... slightly more complex but then again i've yeah it, i thought it's been a few months I, since i thought clooney was was appropriately complex where i mean again all of these characters and all of these stories are very simple okay mm-hmm. so we use this word word advisedly but he's a little more complex then maybe we're giving him credit for just because he was yeah. so, um, you know, he, he was plagued by his own fears and his own mm-hmm. insecurities about Martin the warrior and, and the, the legends and yeah. the legends of Martin and on also the legend of Clooney, the scourge, right. And, and mm, trying to right. stay ahead of that crumbling down anyway. Um, yeah, I like them both quite a bit. And then there's uh, her brother. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Gingivere. Gingivere. Yeah. Gingivere. Gingivere. He's cool. I call I like him ginger wine. Or genuine, the, the singer. Genuine. <laughs> I don't know why. Singer. Nice. One of the examples of a, a good predator in the series. Um, theoretically, I would, yeah. I would have liked to know more about his backstory because clearly he was set up to be um, the good son who was going to continue to be the benevolent dictator, the uh, the kind authoritarian, as it were. Or, or maybe he would have gotten power and said, Moss Flower, you're free, you know, or something. At least that's the way <laughs> he, see he is lionized uh, based on his actions after cat So to speak. So to speak. Lionized cat. <laughs> but, but it could have been only that, oh, I'm in captivity now. Now I am a good guy, you know. No, 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 Ken. He was in captivity. Captivity. Sorry. Come I on. It. You got to keep up. Hey. How many kids do you have, Ken? Four and a half. Four? Your pun game is shockingly weak, okay? You gotta pick it up. Let's go. They're all they're all grown up. I mean, I don't have to dad pun as much anymore. That makes it better, right? If they're more embarrassed by it? That's true. (laughs) Okay. You you raised some good points, John. I mean your name's not John, but well, yeah. What are you referencing there? That's an inside joke with my family, and I wish you guys. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. No, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's um, it, 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 kind of similar to the you know the idea of uh, dictatorships eventually always turning sour, right? Um, there's also a, a similarly simple lesson in here that uh, both of these characters, Gingivir and uh, Sarmina, grew up in the same place with the same father, with the same circumstances, uh, and he did not like. You don't have to be the way that your circumstances uh, push you toward. You can make other right. choices. You can decide to be uh, a better person, right? So he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we I- want to talk about the adventure at all? The uh, like Martin's quest. I, That's a good section of the book, so we probably should. Oh, it's so um, good. Yeah. It's as I as I was going through it, I had forgotten how much of the book that actually takes up. Where in my memory, my memory was dominated by Cotier Castle um, and sneaking through and, and busting out of prison and and all that stuff. The battles at the end, the fight with uh, Sarmina. But no, there's this massive section that takes up all of part two and and most of or and and a good chunk of part three. three, This quest, Um, yeah, I loved it. It, Any any standout moments or images? It took me way too long to figure out the bats were bats. I'd say the first time. (laughs) Um, What do they call them? 
uh, it, oh, shoot, how does it go? It. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I I read this one pretty quick. Yeah, it took. I and I went through it twice, but uh, oops. Um, but it was still a while ago, and I started my Cinder Spires re-listen recently. Mm. So, um, but uh, it's like talks about it. It, I think it calls them kind of like mice, and then uh, I I, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. I don't have print copy of it either so i can't look it up the bats are great and especially because in that um scene we get the owl as well Mm -hmm. and he does a great job i think (laughs) of um drawing a picture of this ultimate apex predator who is so untouchable that this this whole massive horde of bats is like nope uh -uh, not happening we're not taking that dude on uh, he will wipe us all out. Uh, no, thank you, sir. And it's one owl sitting yeah. like just outside the entrance, right? <laughs> and they're like, nope, pass. Um, and it, so he does, I, I think he does a great job of bringing in a few natural elements like the owl or like the pike where oh, it's, yeah. it's this, uh, this animal that to these little mice and moles and whatnot, that these animals are so terrifying. They are so, they're like gods. This owl is like a god that sits above the fray of whatever's happening in this story. What's the <laughs> sea rat, giant sea rat? Is like the Merc or something like that? Yeah. The uh, Sarmina's like, monster? Oh, the, yeah. The Gloomer. The Gloomer, The Gloomer, it, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. That thing. It kind of reminded me of the um, uh, dragon at the bottom of Gringotts and Harry Potter, where it was just like, <laughs> it's supposed to be this big, scary thing, but it's blind and that. deaf and it just kind of wanders and stuff. And it's taken out really fast. Like, oh, well, that was. And dud. presumably it was intelligent at one time because, I mean, Clooney the Scourge was a sea rat. So, right. Though, again, I guess this is a giant sea rat. So maybe. Uh, who know, knows? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it was terrifying to, to yeah, terrifying to the Rodentia, but to the reader, even probably a nine-year-old would be like, "Oh, well, that wasn't so bad." But, I think as a kid, I, I didn't even that, connect Sea Rat with Clooney. I, I like that went yeah. past me at the time. Uh, who knows? Well, and I think it takes you a while before they tell you it's a Sea Rat, and they, I thought they did a decent job of making it sound monstrous. And I was, took me, I think I may have missed it being called a sea rat the first time and i was trying to think what is this thing what is this thing and but then like the second time we through i'm like oh there sea rat okay yeah what was the eagle's name oh gosh you're uh, you're really I'm, taxing this old brain. i know i'm sitting here trying to remember i'm like oh i love that character so much just yeah, because yeah. i love the menace he's kind of, of an i'd say he's neutral but he never really goes after any of the good guys yeah he so he, he, he just won, sits up he won there pine martin he went pine martin <laughs> Yeah, he loves he loves Pine Martin, but well, he 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 wants to try Pine Martin. He never had Pine Martin before, right? But he fixes. He's just really set on trying it. I'm trying to but, find uh, the yeah. I'm trying to find the name here. But now it, you know what? Actually, now that you say that, isn't he kind of the dragon character in our story? Because that's often when you read dragons in fiction. Yes, you come across the dragon, and the dragon isn't. Uh, it's not necessarily malicious it just it has it, it it is utterly natural and it will it follow its nature like great equalizer and, 
Yeah. Ashleg. And so, that's his name. Ashleg? Ashleg. That's, that's mm. the Pine Martin. Yeah, he's right. Oh, Ashleg. The Pine Martin's the one with the, the peg leg, right? right? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right, right. Because that's right. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the. Oh, it's like it's a G or something like that, isn't it? It started with an A, but oh. I can't. Oh well, I'm not. Oh sure. yeah, I'm not going to waste more time on this. Somebody can well, tell me. Let, let me go back to the quest and tell you something that I really like about this quest and reading through this quest. In another book, this quest would have driven me a little bit crazy because when you're when you're writing a book, you want every scene to serve a purpose. And usually that purpose is either, either I should say, and or, right? So it's either and um, f- defining your characters and and uh, and giving them character development, or pushing your plot along, or both, right? Um, it, preferably both, right? Every scene should accomplish these things. In this story we go through like three or four different uh, events on the way to Salamandastron, which we should definitely talk that's, about. That's a great um, one too. <laughs> uh, we go through three or four different events where you know, they run into this trouble, they get out of it. No, they're captured here and they get out of it. And then they're captured there and then they get out of it. Uh, where they, they, these scenes in my mind didn't really differentiate from each other in that they weren't accomplishing different things. They weren't really furthering our characters or furthering the plot. But in this case, I I find myself not really minding all that much because again, putting myself in a kid's perspective, they're so vivid and they're so interesting just as scenes in themselves when they're stuck in the pit, um, Hey, you know, and, and trying to figure out a way to get out of the pit. And then they get the mole. What, what, what's the, the mole's name? Oh gosh. No, uh, Di- not not Dinny. 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 Yeah. Dinny yeah, uh, Dinny's right. gonna like tunnel their way out of this this pit, right? So they got to figure out this clever way. But the the imagery of the pit is so fascinating that I don't care that it's not really doing much else. And I might be shortchanging it a little bit, but eh, probably not much. <clears throat> anyway, Argulor. Um, what's that? Argulor is the bird's name. Argulor. Argulor. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, so I really like this. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we get to Salamandastron. And we should probably talk about how they, well, let me ask you this. Ken, is this the second Redwall book you've ever read? It is. Okay. Uh, Levi, how many have you read? Um, it, this, I think, was the second. And then I did Martin, I listened to Martin the Warrior Martin after the Warrior. that. And then I, I got halfway through, uh, what's the... Uh, Matt Mayo. Matt Mayo, and that's going to be on pause for a little bit. Right, so I have a yeah, lot of okay. Re- listening to do. Point being, those like me who have read at least, say, a dozen of these books, you know how repetitive they are. Um, you get a lot of the same kind of stock characters, a lot of the same stock action sequences. <coughs> um, well, obviously, with some variation. I mean, you don't get yeah. to 30 some odd books without some variation, but but they're pretty standard throughout. Uh, and it's Moss Flower that gives us, that, that kind of blows open the world because the the book in Redwall, that takes place in one field. Yeah, it takes place. Yeah, like exactly. on the edge of the woods. 
And that's it. You have this one field. And now we have a much larger world to play in. Um, and it will get larger still, but we get things like Salamandastron at the end of the quest. Um, it, there's a, actually one of the books in the series is called Salamandastron, and it centers on the, the what are they called? The badgers, badgers and the retaking of the mountain. And, and uh, you know, there's that, some great stuff. That sounds like a good one. This book, this was actually, um, like I said, this was the actual copy that I had when I was nine. And it's the first one that I read. I read it before Redwall. Um, and so I didn't really understand this when I was a kid. <clears throat> but now I kind of get that, oh, the first one was where Brian Jakes said, oh, you know, I've got this idea. I want to do a talking animals book. Uh, kind of medieval England set in this abbey. The the rats are the bad guys and the mice are the good guys, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I've got this idea. Great. Here's 300 pages on this idea. And then the next book he wrote was Mossflower, if I'm recalling correctly. And that's when he said, oh, okay. So now that I've got my idea fleshed out, now I'm going to tell you a story, like a real quest story, uh, kind of uh, to a superior degree than what he did in Redwall, in my opinion. I really liked this book quite a bit. What, yeah, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah. F final thoughts. How did you feel, Levi, ultimately about reading through this, especially as an adult? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, it's, it's just, uh, I mean, enjoyed it enough that I re-listened to it um, not too long ago to uh, fresh, try to freshen things up a little bit. And um, I'd probably re-listen to it again at some point, though. Um, and yeah, it's got yeah good cast. Um, and let's. This is like I the think. definition of a comfort read, right? Like you yes, could. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. If you you talk about you know yeah maybe I'll re-listen to it again. It's not a long book. Um, it's not a complex book. It's like hey, you know what? I just got done reading Malazan number seven. I need a palate cleanser. Um, throw on moss flower and have a grand old time for a few hours and then go back to whatever you were doing before. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. So Ken, we got the, uh, you know, Levi read it as an adult. How about, how, how does it hit as an old, old, old man wrinkled That's... and distraught? <laughs> I, I don't know. I would have to ask one. No. <laughs> um, as an old, old man who's ready to give this to his grandchildren. You know, I I find this to be a very enjoyable book, uh, and it's an enjoyable book. It's it's an enjoyable read as a grown up. If you have kids, this is a great book to read. You know, to your kids to get them involved in literature and reading. It's it, this is the, the textbook example of mm. for that. So plus, I, I love the way that the stakes all all build in this thing, and it, it just goes from it basically doesn't slow down. You know, it, it starts out fast and it, that middle does not drag. It gets faster and it ends well. It's yeah, this is, it, it's all a great book and it, it's complete yeah. uh, change from, from red wall in the sense that things are dark and they get better or they have problems yeah. for getting better. I, I heartily agree with all that. I, as promised at the end of the red wall episode, I said, I am definitely giving this to my 10 year old son. And I did. He and I sat down and we've read, um, I think we read like the first quarter of it together, kind of alternating page by page. And that was a ton of fun. 
And then I said, okay, you're on your own. Go ahead and keep reading, give it a shot. And he's, um, I don't know, maybe halfway through the book now and he's really enjoying it. So nice. fast forward to, um, I guess it would have been, I don't know, however many weeks ago. <laughs> it's This episode has been difficult to make, ladies and gentlemen. We've had to reschedule two or three times. It's been very frustrating. Um, so a while ago, I was reading this on the couch and he spotted like uh, there's, it's a kind of a convoluted cover. Those on YouTube can see what I'm holding up and it says long ago before Redwall Abbey in this kind of ornate script. And from across the room, he spotted the word Redwall and he goes, Oh, is that another Redwall book? And I was like, yeah, dude, finish the one you're doing and then I'll give you this. And he was so excited. Um, so it, that's it, just a little taste. Like it's, it's interesting to come at it from our adult perspective and try to put ourselves in the mindset of a kid. But uh, that's just a little bit of testimonial. Like these are so fun for kids. And you read it, you read the opening sentence of a lot of kids books. You know what they don't sound like? They don't sound like this. Late autumn winds sighed fitfully around the open gatehouse door, rustling bl brown gold leaves in the fading afternoon. Where this again, not a complex sentence. This is not uh, this. It's not technically difficult or whatever, but it is. Um, it is hinting at a literary aspect that it, that a kid can just kind of dip his toe into or her toe. Yep. Yeah. Um, where you're drawing pictures with words and not worrying so much about illustrations and, you know, the, the next frame in the comic or whatever. And I'm not disparaging those. I'm just saying this is a different form of, of writing um, that, that Brian Jakes does, I think, very, very well, where he can do something like that, draw a picture for you. That was in the prologue, the, the first um, paragraph of, the actual, I won't read the whole thing, but the first paragraph of the first chapter, Mossflower lay deep in the grip of midwinter beneath a sky of leaden gray that showed tinges of scarlet and orange on the horizon. A cold mantle of snow draped the landscape, covering the flatlands to the west. Snow was everywhere, filling ditches, drifting high against hedgerows, making paths invisible, smoothing the contours of earth in its white embrace. Things like that where it, it's accessible it's just accessible enough for a kid but pushes them just hard enough where they have to learn some new sentence constructions and um and make their brain kind of comprehend something that's not perfectly literal all the time right yep. so such a hard recommend for these books i, I can't even believe it and if can you I look may, like you're gonna say something if i may add um helps them to discover the art and this is going to be my old man get off my lawn uh, <laughs> complaint you know in our TikTok generation and blah 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 it it encourages the young mind to take those words and actually create the visualization themselves in their head they don't need it on a screen or on a tablet or anything it's just right there it fosters imagination it stokes critical thinking i love it yeah. Ken, yeah. do you have TikTok downloaded on your phone? I do not. <laughs> Good man. Good old man. I, All I right. don't. I refuse. With that, you guys, let's call it quits there. I got to go record an episode with Drew. So Sweet. we are going to leave it there. Um, 
let's see, Levi, Texas Blade, thank you so much for joining us on this Thanks, one. Chef. Much appreciated. And uh, Ken, you are you ready to read Matt Mayo? Oh, I'm so I got it right here on my phone. I'm ready to go. I think originally the plan was Martin the Warrior, which is actually I think it's a prequel to this prequel. Uh, yeah. But mm -hmm. then, um, <laughs> but then it yeah, was impressed upon me. What's that? It's very interesting in a lot of it too, because I was you know, mm. it makes you wonder for a while, then wraps things up nicely in the end. Yeah, man, it's it's a good book. I've definitely read it in the past, but Panda said she said, "Look, you got to do Matt Mayo instead." So I said, "All right." I bow to I I am a slave to my patron's wishes, Ken. So that's what we're doing next. All right. So I'm that in. means Alex Fierce is coming soon. <laughs> and that's and that's why Levi's never coming back on the show. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to go to thelegendarium.com. And uh, thanks for supporting the show, for sharing it out, and joining the conversation on Discord. Uh, we will see you all next time. Have a good one.